Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me as always, he's my lucky sons. It's Luke Holmes. Um, what was that in reference to? You'll see. <laughs> okay, okay, I thought you were talking about Hung Min Son. And him turning down several Saudi Arabia bids, Graham, but no, apparently not. No. How are we doing? Hi. How too shabby yourself? I am doing fantastic, as always. What a great Monday. Tuesday. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Um, <laughs> this could come out Monday still, I don't know. It depends how busy the day is. Ah, uh, dear. It was not a very busy week in F1 other than, like, the start of it. And I was hoping for, like, an announcement on the Monday uh, of something, anything, but... It's been a pretty. It's been a very slow news week, other than the one, like one or two things. Yeah, so. a couple of major things, and then yeah. Mm. Well, we throw it back to this time last week, of course, when we obviously knew there was some there was some twenty twenty four prey testing stuff going on. We knew, of course, there were several drivers that were taking part in said test, being uh, obviously Mick Schumacher with the Mercedes. Do I know? P. I think Pietro was in the Haas. Pietro was in Haas. Hulkenberg was in. Us as well for a portion of it. Mm. Uh, so, so some of those things like that, but the big one, of course, was that Daniel Ricciardo was making his comeback to Formula One on the track, at least with the Red Bull. Uh, the I guess we, to, just to debunk a few things with with some of the stuff going on with this, uh, obviously because obviously look, the Perez has been, not been in a good run of form, and then the reports from the event or from the day came that Ricciardo had uh, put a time in that would have been as for good enough for the front row at Silverstone, uh, it's just like I don't know, like that's that's niche and all, but like, I guess like there's several things at play here. The conditions are very different, different tires. Uh, I assume I don't know if they're working with a similar fuel load, so it's it's easy to say like, oh look, he had the second, like he had time quick enough for a second. He's not lost it yet, but that's that would be rushing into things I think a little too quickly when there's so many different variables at play that were at play over the weekend of the, of the British Grand Prix. Yeah, you're just sort of living on uh, on a false pretense then, aren't you, by doing that? It's just, yeah. I don't I don't get why people see them kind of stats and run with it. Typical typical Twitter snap that one. Yeah. <laughs> now, like, I'm, I'm sure, now, I'm sure Red, I, now, by all accounts, Red Bull were quite impressed because they've got access to a lot more of the data than, obviously, than we would, for example. So, they can see more from the running than, uh, than obviously the, than obviously those reporting on it would. But uh, I guess also this is the the, the notion obviously because that happened on Monday, and then we also got the bombshell on Monday that AlphaTauri were dropping Nick DeVries after ten races and Ricardo taking his place for the rest of the season. We'll talk about that in a sec, but it's also worth mentioning, I guess that. I don't think the morning of uh, last the week, the test last week had any bearing on uh, Ricardo going back to AlphaTauri either. Do you not? No, I think this is. I did. Was beforehand. I, 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 I think it was sort of nudged it over the line. I think it was eighty percent there, and then they saw that it was sort of the data sort of translated from the sim to the track in terms of. He wasn't as slow as they maybe thought he was and was better than, i.e. DeVries and possibly Sonoda. 
and even Perez at points. And they thought, well, let's uh, let's give it a give it a bash. Yeah, I guess if you, yeah, I guess I don't think it was a sole reason, but I guess nudging no, it no, is, no. The, is, a, is a good way to put it. Because there was reports that the talks basically happened over the weekend of the British Grand Prix anyway. So the Vries was basically done before the race had even started by the sounds of it. Yeah, and, the, and the, the, I think the other thing with the timing of the announcement, I don't think Red Bull were going to announce it on the Monday. I No, definitely not. I, definitely not. If you read the reporting on this, it was basically De Vries's camp, basically. Once, as soon as they knew, they started leaking it to some Dutch journalists, and then the story went from there. So basically, they did. They wanted to do Red Bull essentially no favours, essentially, and just got the news out early. And this whole, I think... Whether that would have, I don't know whether that would come this week. Without, I assume maybe at some point during last week, maybe they would have ideally like to announce it. But I certainly think De Vries's camp beat them to the punch, and they they had to make the announcement earlier than they would have wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair to De Vries, I don't blame him. No, I don't I either. Done, I would have done exactly the same. They've literally done him absolutely no favors and shafted him out of. A, well, I say shafted. They've not done it a very nice way. Anyway, he should he he, he should have got the season. Regardless, I think, but to at least prove himself. But at the end of the day, the results weren't weren't good enough, and uh, we know what Rebel are like, ruthless yeah. as always, and they've stuck to it. To be fair to them, so you can't fault them for being inconsistent, I guess, and being more lenient towards one driver than another. But I guess they've been a little bit harsher on Vries than there was, uh, let's say, on Gasly or uh, Albon, for instance. Hmm. We can talk about the we can talk about the Davies aspect in a, in a minute. Well, let, let's start with Ricardo on this side of things. This it's obviously a, a, a obviously a bombshell a return because you know, obviously, is it? I think so for no, for a few for a few reasons because it, it it signals two things that about Ricardo that have changed through the year. One of which that he was he had he had been adamant before that he didn't he was going to take the entirety of twenty twenty three off so to speak yeah of course the second part and the reason why he didn't st- argue and start the season on the grid most only with Haas uh, was because obviously we knew discussions had happened there and uh, now the, obviously the figure I think Ricardo's looking for may have been a bit out of their out of their range but I think the other part for Ricardo is that he didn't want to come back to a seat that wasn't really that competitive that like Haas would have been and that's certainly the AlphaTauri are now so I think it's notable that Ricardo has gone back Sorry. on these two things um, as like because he's I think and he talked about it in, in an interview I think it was Lawrence Barreto but he basically got to a point where I was like alright now like, he basically like it was the point where he's like alright now, now I want to be back so it, him discovering rediscovering basically that like, he wanted to Returned to racing and I think didn't really. He was okay then with A, coming back mid season, not having had it only been off for basically a few months, and B, to a seat that he knows isn't going to be as competitive as, say, the one he left, for example. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, Alpha Tari are not competitive, Graham. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. They have dropped. They were, but they've dropped down a bit in recent races. So mm-hmm. maybe they'll, that'll turn around in the next few races with the. The tracks coming on miles to their car a bit better, but um, to me, I, I'm glad to see him back for one. A because I love him as a personality. I think everybody does pretty much, except probably a few Twitter people <laughs> who uh, just don't like anybody. Probably don't, probably don't even like themselves to be honest. Wow, but, you're calling out your friend of math, math like that. That's that's tough, man. Yeah, my math's got some 
weird views. Let's be real. <laughs> That's the problem with being a Chelsea fan, unfortunately, isn't it? At oh. the end of the day. Um, Sorry, Matt. <laughs> it's. I, I don't know. I, I'm on the fence with this because it's nice for him, all this fanfare and all this absolute bullshit of PR that they've, they've absolutely thrown uh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I don't care for much of that. They have absolutely rinsed it the last week or so. And, I mean, De Vries had two posts all year. Yeah. Ricardo had, like, 20 within two days. It was ridiculous. I know. I know he's an, a bit of a a personality in the in the paddock and what have you, but Jesus Christ. I would say that's it's nothing to do with him, you. so to speak. No, no, it's, it's not, not to do with him, just F1 milking him yeah. for every penny they can get. It's um, <laughs> don't don't overwhelm him to the point where he doesn't want to be back anymore. For God's sake, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I, I I do think this is a do or die for Ricardo. This these next few races, well, the, well, to the end of the season, it's um, a big big test. A for him personally, B for Red Bull, in the fact of we'll we'll get to know if the the real Ricardo is still there or not now. I think now he's in an environment he he knows well. He was has been part of previously, and can actually thrive in. I I just don't know if the timing's right. I I I think it's too soon, personally. You think the car is too flawed for him, perhaps to show his if yes, he has I, I, lost or anything like that. I I think he needed a preseason, and I think he needed a full season, because I think judging him and judging a De Vries of 10 races is an absolute ludicrous considering who they are as much as I've absolutely battered De Vries into the ground I will say every driver deserves a season no matter what at least to get to grips with the car and get to grips with the team and then something eventually will click and if it doesn't there you go you've had your chance Ricardo, I think needed the time a bit longer instead of jumping on the first opportunity. Now, I know he sort of has had to do this because I think if Lawson got in there first, it's game over for him and Red Bull. There isn't any going back unless they lose Sonoda. And I don't think that's happening yet Mm -hmm. anyway. I think Sonoda stays for at least next year. And then maybe talks happen for him to leave after that once either Ricardo or Lawson is more settled into the team. Right, and you've also, got the, you've also got the Aston links that are, I don't yeah, think are going to go anywhere. No, I don't think they are either. I think that's going to be a very common thing coming over the next few months, mm-hmm. especially towards the end of the season, when we see the end of the season points and see that Stroll is on like 30, and on <laughs> like 400. It's, um, yeah, you know what I mean? It's going to be mm. quite a mountain for him to climb, but... I, do, I just think if this goes horribly wrong for Ricardo, then that's him done. And Red Bull are basically going to do the, exactly the same to what as what they've done with De Vries and sort of toss him to the side. Then what what does that leave him to do? Can it be an ambassador for who? Because I don't think Red Bull will want to keep him on as an ambassador if he's embarrassed them in an Alpha Tari. Why would they? I don't know. I... Uh, that point of it is a difficult is a difficult perspective. I think he's, I think he'll always be part of the Red Bull family. Regard, I don't think, I don't think how this these next six months go will have any bearing on Ricardo. Like, if, if say if he doesn't if it doesn't work out and they replace him with Lawson at the end of the season, 
I think it's more so Ricardo's choice whether he wants to do that for Red Bull after that. I don't think I think Red Bull will happily take him. Like, and you've, there's plenty of merit for him to have as a test and third, suppose, yeah. third driver. Um, Even just the PR merchant, it's not going to show runs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like heck, DC still does this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's not going to take away from all the stuff that they did together. And the fact that they signed him in the first place shows that him leaving wasn't wasn't that detrimental they couldn't recover from that and i don't think this would be either um the, the testing thing you mentioned is not it's it's tough it's not it's not ideal uh, that he hasn't got these no testing in this car at all so yeah. it is he's gonna have to get the hit he's gonna have to try and get used to it very quickly uh, he does he does say about the car i appreciate the car is going to have its limits it might not have as much grip as the red bar drove a few days ago but it feels relative if it feels relatively balanced that's something i can work with that is something that the avatar does not have i could tell you that right now he says, "Just watching the onboards, that is not going to be a balanced car." <laughs> he says they expect results, performances, but I think until I get in the car, it's hard to define what that is. Is it a P8? Is it a P14? I don't think there's pressure until the summer break, but I also don't expect to get off to a slow start. I want to hit the ground running and try also and use what I've learned in this time off to put it to use. So, yeah, so that's what he says about that. It's I th- I like this move for a few reasons because. With one fell swoop, you have so many things going on at play. One, this is a obviously you find out Ricardo first and foremost what his situation is. Has is he truly washed? I don't think so. I just think that McLaren has was a really rough Norris. situation, and yeah. the fact that you have Norris talking about like how like not, like it's not as if Norris was particularly happy with the car either. He happened to make it work, and there's a reason Norris is regarded one of the best drivers on the grid still. You know, like I. He's able to fight, drive around the issue. I do think that those are, those are really tough cars, and I don't think it was a, a good situation for uh, Ricardo. It just didn't work. We just we've seen it sometimes. There's some things just don't work with some drivers, some teams. It's 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 weird how it works sometimes. Uh, it's, it's look at just... the Ferrari second driver. <laughs> right, like like he was best of the rest essentially uh, with McLaren, and it... it's not quite lived up to the same. Has it? His stock is, I don't think it's quite been as high since he left McLaren. No, I completely agree. So it could just be a, situa- a situational thing that just doesn't work. Like we, we just saw Ricardo going from Renault, or he was arguably one of the top three, four drivers in that entire grid in that Renault. And definitely, definitely post Austria in the first season, 100%. Mm. And when you, when you say post Austria 2020, it was the first race of the season. <laughs> yes, that is a good point. That is a very good point. Uh, but like it went to McLaren, and it, you know, it, it, he wasn't quite—he never reached that level. He was at Renault, so I, I think these things can be quite situational. But we're going to find out. That's the thing. I guess we're going to find out uh, what that is. It gives another—it's a great measure for now. Sonoda, who now immediately is put under immediate pressure to perform because now it's not Nick DeVries in the other car; it's Daniel Ricciardo, and I think Sonoda could come off looking quite well in this. But again, I, I feel well. like I feel like it's the same situation at the start of the season. Win, like I don't unless Sonoda's. No, actually, I take that. I, I still think it's a lose for one of the drivers. Like, there's no win-win situation. If Sonoda does well, it reflects poorly on Ricardo. If Ricardo does well, it reflects poorly on Sonoda. Like, I, it's again, like none of these drivers are set up to be in good situations because if, if defeat for one, victory for one is essentially a crushing defeat for the other. Yeah. And it's basically the end for one of them, pretty much, I would say. Because, like I said, regardless, Lawson is in that call for 24, in yeah, my opinion. I think so. He has to be. They they can't leave him out on, on the sidelines for another year. 
No way. Unless they ship him off to IndyCar, and that isn't happening. Because mm. Red Bull don't do IndyCar, which is very strange. It is very strange. Uh, I, think, yeah, I think it would be interesting for them if they branch that into that. Obviously, the brand would be huge for, for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course it would. But in a sense, like, obviously, so it puts this pressure on both the drivers. But I think that can be used for good. So, again, it's a good measure for Ricardo because we know Sonoda's been having a good season. It's a good measure for, for Sonoda because Ricardo's a much better driver than De Vries. So, yes, in course. theory, you're wanting to put, like, it should bring out the best in both of them because they should be very motivated to defeat the other. And you it also. say this, actually. Mm. Does Daniel Ricciardo have a Formula 2 World Championship? I don't think so. Or a Formula E World Championship? I don't think no, so. No, he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Watch your mouth. Mm, forgive me. <laughs> it also puts an appropriate amount of pressure on Sergio Perez if Ricardo should do well. Yes. It's, it's a merry-go-round is basically what you're saying. And I think I alluded to this last week. It's, it's, I, I think it, this is probably one of the best merry-go-rounds we've had in a while in terms of whoever doesn't perform here sort of gets chucked out and then the other two benefit from it. But it could also go very wrong for one person entirely. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm very interested to see how this goes on and how intense it gets between the three of them. Because mm. it's going to get... I don't think Sonoda really gives a shit, to be honest, because he just doesn't give a shit in general. Yeah, it, but, but it also does feel like that there's a, an event... There just seems to be a general consensus that eventually these, like Sonoda and Red Bull slash Avatari, are eventually splitting. It's just a matter of when, I feel like. Yeah. I think if Sonoda wasn't in the conversation for the Red Bull seat for 24-25 when Perez's contract was up, uh, was up then, um, yeah, I think their camp is sort of focused on getting him in at Aston Martin, which would be obviously a sound move, but I don't see it happening unless certain things go certain ways. Hmm. But I also think, like, I think the ship has sailed in the sense for the Red Bull Junior Program for Red Bull seats. Because you have Verstappen and, okay, like, is there, are there concerns, sure, about his, his um, you know, his long-term commitment past 2028. But you've yeah. got the likes of Leclerc, Norris on the grid. Like, I just think that they can, I think they're a little older, a little wiser. And the young talent hasn't been blowing them away in recent years. That they'll just probably... Like it's not like they have a shortage of drivers to pick from who want a Red Bull seat. Like if you know from on the grid currently, I think that whatever wants it, they can go get really. Yeah, and I read a, po- a report. I believe it was um, it was on Twitter anyway. It was from a well-known journalist. I can't remember his name, but he was saying that Red Bull had spoken to Norris and Leclerc post uh, before Silverstone. Sorry, about a potential interest in a Red Bull drive in the future. Obviously, Norris has been tapped up before about a potential move, but mm-hmm. it's interesting that a clerk has also been spoken to. I can't remember who it was, but it's going to drive me nuts. Well, now. it makes sense for the clerk because obviously the clerk comes off the books a year earlier than Norris does. Yeah. So, like, and for I think example, he would be. Yeah, the clerk is the one you can get easier, I think, without having to pay a big fee. But whether that would work, I don't know, and I don't think it would. Well, there are two different Personal. points, aren't they, Ricardo and, or sorry, uh, Leclerc and Norris with that? Because Leclerc is going through the frustration at the moment, and there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas yeah. Norris, like the British Grand Prix, was a great example of we can still turn things around. We've got stuff coming. We've got our, we've heck, they've, you know, their new new technical leadership. Like two of those guys haven't even started yet. 
Yeah. And the, obviously Wintel comes online pretty soon now as well. Like there's a lot to there's a lot to entice Norris to stay and believe in the project, whereas Leclerc I think is a much easier guess because it just seems like he's You could had literally enough. say to you could literally say to Leclerc, Do you want to have me? And he'd probably be like, Yeah <laughs> Honestly. You could any any member of the public could go to him and say off the record what what you're saying and he would say, No, nah, I want out. I guarantee it. If the right offer to the right team was there. And yeah. that uh, the only team now would there would be any benefit to him would be Red Bull or Aston Martin. Personally, Mercedes, I don't think is the right place for him. Mm. But I'd agree with that. You, you, you would probably. I, I, I still would take from Mercedes over Ferrari if I was him, though. If they offered me a deal, it just depends Personally. how deep is like he's, he's obviously talking about his, how deep his loyalty is to Ferrari. You would do though. I, I would. Yeah, I would be the same. Like. It is the team that I've grew up supporting. Why, why would I want to leave? But at the same time, you've got to put your personal interests first. Mm-hmm. Eventually, when they've years of years of failure, but it might be, might be one of them drivers that never gets to the championship that I think he deserves. Yeah, we've seen which it before. Which would be sad. Here's just to link this back around. I don't think Ricardo takes his Alfatari seat if he didn't think there was a chance he could return to that Red Bull seat. No, no, definitely not. So that's a definitely huge not. part of this. And I guess, I guess, in the same sense, and maybe, like, I guess maybe the reason, because I'm sure De Vries had a few offers on the table after, in the end, afterwards. Um, definitely Williams. Mm. Williams and Alpine, we know of for sure. They were definitely concrete offers, but of course, if you're uh, Alpine, <laughs> I would take Pierre Gasly. I don't think they're regretting that decision, though. <laughs> um, really? shocking right that's that's mightily impressive mm. but just to, just to finish on on uh, just a roundup on Ricardo I think I like the move for him I like I think the biggest wins I think are Red Bull because again like we said like they get yeah, to yeah. find out so much about how Perez responds to this how Sonoda responds and how, what Ricardo's like they're winning regardless because they'll the picture becomes a lot clearer in their mind as to how it is they want to move forward uh, it might not be clear this year but perhaps for next year at the end of next year, you know, this begins the process of how things may look for them at the end of 24. So I, I like it for Red Bull's point of view because they accomplish all of their goals with this, I feel like. Yeah, all the bases are covered pretty much, mm. aren't they? It's, it's an instant win-win for everybody else. It's a win, but could possibly lose terribly. Yeah, like Red Bull positioned the pieces perfectly. Now it's to see how those pieces perform, like how, how, like how Ricardo performs, how Sonoda performs, how Perez performs. Yeah. I, I would have been interested to see how this would work out if Lauren Mekis was in charge right now, mm. rather than Franz Tost. If you mean, as in a fresh set of eyes, rather than someone who's not even worked with Ricardo or Yuki, or even Perez at that point. Someone who's completely out there, out of the blue, with a fresh set, but obviously we're not going to get that till next year. If no. if it's all next year, actually, mm. we don't know because one of them drivers might be out of this at that point. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, anything else to add on Ricardo's side of things here? No, not really. Uh, Sonoda, we've probably mentioned like it's gonna be a much better measure for him. I still think he can come out. I think he could, I still think there's a, the only situation I think both of them come out on top is that Ricardo does really well and Sonoda's right there with them essentially. That's yeah. Like as if so, if Ricardo's a P eight and like Sonoda's a P nine or a P ten or a P eleven or something like that, like they are maximizing that result in that car. It goes back and forth each race. One one's better than the other one race, then the other one's better than the other in the next race. 
I think that would be a complete mindfuck for Red Bull. Because then you're like, oh shit, what do we do here? Because yeah. we, we have nowhere to go for Lawson <laughs> again. The, I think the chances of that happening are small, though. I think there is going, yes. there's someone is going to be on top here. I I would lean towards Ricardo on this side of things. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I want to believe I still. I, 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 the, the, the Ricardo fan in me wants to believe, but I'm, I'm rating Yuki this year. I think we both are very highly. Definitely. I, 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 like I say, it's just a big test for everyone. It's gonna be fascinating. Like it's gonna be the one. That, like we've got. It's nice to have this injection of a of a, some unknown heading into the second half of the next season. In a season that's been pretty predictable in terms of like obviously who wins. Like it's this this AlphaTauri thing is going to be a really fascinating uh, dynamic as the year as the year progresses and Sonoda, how Sonoda reacts to it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be big for him because like he no longer has that comfort so to speak that DeVries is teammate. Like Ricardo in theory should be on his ass if not possibly even ahead of him. So. How does Yuki respond to that amidst his own possible future? I don't think I don't, I don't expect Sonoda to be replaced regardless at the end of this year. I think he stays regardless. Unless, yeah, the only times Yuki goes is off, off his own bat, I think. Because it's not his fault that uh, De Vries didn't perform and Ricardo's instead. It's what it's it's the choices now Red Bulls as to what happens with that second seed, be Ricardo or Lawson. The only, the only reason Yuki loses his seat if he starts doing what he did in his first Pretty season much. One, yeah. basically. Starts chucking it down the road, trying to overdrive the car, which he could he could do. To be fair, yeah, it's possible now. That yeah. pressure could get trying to him. To, yeah, the pressure would be too much, but we'll see. So just for the Liam Lawson side of things, I'm reading an article from uh, Motorsport.com and Jamie Klein about some of his quotes on the response to uh, him not being taken for that seat. Uh, and Lawson said, "I always wanted to compete here in Super Formula. My goal was to get a seat for next year in F1." To jump in mid-season would have been extremely tough, and in Alfatari's position, they were wanting someone experienced who has been in Formula 1 for a long time, so I understand their decision. But this, uh, but this Super Formula, is what, I'm focused on now, uh, is what I'm focused on. Any shot I have at Formula 1 rides and ha- on how I do here. So I have to complete the year in the best way possible and try and win this championship, which is what will give me the chance. I need to make sure I, can, I do everything I can to give myself the best opportunity, and then if it doesn't happen, I can say there's nothing more I could have done. He has uh, been Red Bull PR'd to shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Basically is what I'm hearing right there. That's uh, okay. Fair enough. He, 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 basically, they said to him, win Super Formula and the seat's yours pretty much. If you don't, then tough shit. Mm. I imagine that would have come before any Ricardo Vector kind of Yeah, yeah, things, definitely. Which is tough. 100%. Yeah. But 100%. I do, I do think there's merit for Alfatari having the experience side of things. This, this will be a, a help to them, as we saw with Gasly. That was a, that was a, a benefit to them. So I guess we'll see how that goes on Ricardo's side of things. I wonder if he'll start screaming about the brakes. <laughs> yeah, well, like so someone who famously uh, good in the brakes in the car that was uh, was good to him on that front. It'll be interesting to see how he feels about that. The, yeah. the, like I'm. In a sense, I am glad. Like, I think this is. I think it's the right decision not to drop Lawson in like this mid-season because I think, to some extent, he would be set up to fail. Yeah, basically, he would be sinking straight away. I there do. Is no way. Mm. He's not. He's not the superstar driver that I could think would cope with it. We've always said he's a okay mid-tier driver. Yeah. He's not nothing special. He deserves a chance. Don't get me wrong, because he's worked hard for where to be where he is, but. I don't see him as such as a, a Leclerc or a Russell or a Norris, personally. Oh no, I don't think so either. But I also think or, uh, his he's he, 
well, few are to be fair. He like like I said last I think I said last week he can only do more harm than good to his stock I think coming in at mid season he's better off not participating and he, his stock will can only improve I think of Super Formula and yeah I I just think yeah like yes he could have the opportunity to go into an F one car is but does that mean that's always the right thing in no. this case I would argue it it can do more harm than good and then you go to Ricardo who if Lawson had been dropped in. Ricardo will continue, I think, to build his rebuild some of his stock within the Red Bull uh, stable, and then you just say, right, well, Ricardo's in for the next season then because Lawson didn't work out. Yeah, basically. So I, I think this yeah, is fine for Lawson. Of, yeah, all them years of funding would have gone down the pan for thirteen races. Yeah, which just it just isn't worth it. No, uh, you would better off waiting. Mm, so yeah, so I think Lawson is is fine. Like he's, I think he's well, he's still well set up going forward. It, it some of it is now out of his hands. Because of Ricardo, but yeah, it's not. It's like he says that that would be through no fault of his own. So, and mm. with that, you can with that you can live with a bit more. Yeah. L- lastly, just look. Let's just look at the Nick DeVries side of things. Um, yes, it's harsh. Yes, it's rough. Yes, it's Alpha Tauri. But I guess when you're, it's it's now clear there was a clear conflict between Marco and Horner about even the hiring of DeVries, which we could have told you last year was not the right thing to do in the first place uh, based on one race essentially is what he got this drive from uh, so is it a surprise that we're at this r- junction no I don't think so uh, is it harsh yes uh, but if you thought he wasn't if you were conflicted whether he was the right person for the job in the first place then I guess I'm fine with this in the sense of like why bother wa- if you know he's a dead man walking why bother waiting to make the decision just just move yeah. on yeah now, if this was Williams, this would be a different gal of fish. Definitely, I think he survives. Now, I will say, like, it's a kind of argument. Just because, like, just because it's Alphatari, does that make it right? No, definitely not. I, I, like I said, I, I think everybody deserves a season, regardless of who you are. You yeah. could be the worst driver in the world, but unless you're impacting the safety of the sport, then you should get your chance to prove what you can do. And if you can't prove it and you can't hack it, then out you go. You can't save not giving it your best at the end of the day so yeah like it's just it's just not surprising coming from alpha tari but i don't like look i don't i don't disagree with the decision because i just i just ne- i never rated DeVries highly in the first place my only apprehension before a season if he was maybe better than what i thought he was was because he's a high rated people in the paddock talking really highly about him but that doesn't translate to on-track performance and didn't even if his technical feedback is by all accounts very good and um, the speed, as Helmut Marco said, just wasn't there. And I don't like. I don't like. I think there's a lot to learn about Sargent in the next thirteen races or so. But I just don't think we would have got a lot more from DeFries. I just didn't see him really like Sargent. You can see making the improvements, making the strides, and DeFries had been a little better. But I just didn't rate his ceiling very high to begin with, and I didn't think he was the man for the job in the first place. So I'm fine with this decision to go early because if you if you know he's going, then if you know you're not keeping him at the end of the year, then why dilly dally? Like you can, they're in a, as a team, they're in such a better position now to find out so much more about what they want to do long term with Ricardo in the seat. Whether that Ricardo stays on for a year before maybe go back to Red Bull, whether that's Lawson coming in the car next year, at least there's something going on. Whereas I think we all knew Devries was like, had one year in him at best. Yeah, it was it was literally written on the walls, wasn't it? Writing was there. You could see it from four million miles away. That, regardless, I think this was always a stopgap. You yeah. could, I could have told you that, even if he joined Alpine, he would have been a stopgap. 
until one of their juniors was ready, which they probably would have held off on till Martins was ready, I think, regardless. Um, but it, I, I feel bad for him because, like, like I say, it's, it's brutal, but at the same time, he's not helped himself. No. But if he's if his ceiling is Formula E, then his ceiling is Formula E. At the end of the day, it it's a cutthroat sport, and unfortunately, he went to the most brutal team possible. Well, outfit anyway. Yeah, look, and that's I guess like that should have been that's, part of the risk, like of you know should have been weighed up. Like you know that this could be a potential option or it could be a potential result if. You know things don't go well and you, you you need to plan but like what happens if things don't go well am i going to be given time am i going to be given support etc that faded Which i think he would he would have got a williams mm-hmm. i i think personally that was the better move in the long term if you wanted a long-term future in formula one at least two years which you would have got i think we certainly will have got at least to the end of the season even if the second year yeah, wasn't yeah. guaranteed so to speak a team option or something at least I yeah, think unless... they would have done right by him and gone the whole year yeah, unless he was been in the car every week, he isn't getting binned off because it would have cost them more to get rid of him. But like, like you say, he doesn't get dropped until the season's done. It's just, but at the same time, Red Bull is a business, and they're all about promoting and getting themselves to the front. So I get it. I get it. You don't get. You don't do that by being nice at the end of the yeah. day. Um, it's nothing personal. It's just business. Mm. The one thing I would say is that it's like you go back to the Williams thing with De Vries. Obviously, we didn't know that Jos Capito would be out as he was, like in the way that he 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 ended up being let go. And it would have been fat. But obviously, he'd made the decision beforehand to get Sargent in. It would have been fascinating to see how, if obviously like hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, and this the opportunity wasn't there at the time. But if Val's say Val's had been in charge for the driver lineup for twenty three. Like the Vries would have been then. You know, like I, 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 him or Mick, and we we didn't know what Mick, what was happening with Mick, and Aftari may have been better because Franz Toss I think was pretty on board for wanting Mick Schumacher if because after the, after Hersha didn't uh, after Hersha didn't uh, end up working out, and I think that would have been a better result for everyone. But yeah, I think everyone's anyway. sort of been saved a little bit by her to be not working out to be honest. But that's mm. that's really he's really gone downhill since the F one thing started off. Really gone down. We just got his first podium there at the weekend, so of the season. Yeah, it says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It really does. He's had a very up and down year, and a lot more downs than ups. Mm. I know we got pole, but a few weeks ago, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> the talent's there, but mm. when you get in beaten by Grosjean week in week out, and really says it all, doesn't it? Well, he's ahead of Grosjean Over. now, quite comfortably in the standings. Yeah, that's not odd when he crashes every week. So. Uh, yeah, true. So I don't have much more to say on De Vries, like other than I just don't think he's the right person for the job in the first place. And yeah, the, the Red Bull cogged up. He didn't basically. Yeah, that's Marco, a, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Marco was blinded basically by him doing well in one race and the lack of sensible options open to mm. them at the time. Like we said last year, the driver market wasn't great. It wasn't great, but I could have told you DeVries may not have been the best option. But it just it's it's this whole thing like DeVries kind of performed as I would have expected them to. the The fault is not so much with him as it more so with Red Bull selection process and recruiting process in the first place. Here, that that's that's the thing I think more so. That's, that that's what it ultimately comes back to: multiple failings across the year from i.e. Vips bailing out and doing what he did, and other drivers not quite living up to the hype and. 
Mm-hmm. Just it, it all just had a merry-go-round effect, and it's ended up having a merry-go-round effect here as well. So, yeah, I would say Fantastic. like the Reese could have helped. Like if things had worked out, like cause I still think Alex Albon was stopgap in 2019 because of the whole Dan Tictum vector that he didn't get his, uh, his super license. Albon, I still think was a stopgap. He was a solid F2 option. They ended up coming in last minute because things didn't work out for Dan Tictum in uh, for a super license. But Albon yeah. managed to help make himself stick. Um, now, it was a much bit more competitive car, I will say, than that Alpha Tauri, but we've seen the, the chasm between uh, De Vries and Snowda anyways with that car. So I think there is some room to make that work for De Vries. They could have narrowed himself a little bit more, but um, but yeah, just didn't. He didn't deliver at the end of the day the same way that Snowda did, which is tough, but hey, I mean, Albon came in against Kvyat and did pretty well. That's not fucking hard, is it? No, but I guess it's... Is, do you think the gap is wider between... Heading into the season, do you think the gap is wider between Kvyat uh, and Albon than Snowda and De Vries? I'd argue it's De Vries and Snowda gap was a lot smaller. Close, yeah. Heading into the season than Kvyat and uh, Albon. But anyway, Albon's still here in F1 and much more comfortable with Williams, where I think he should stay and should stay if he wants. If he would have a stability, I mean... <laughs> He's going to Ferraro, what are you on about? Oh, stop. Anyway... I think that's enough about um it's gonna be fascinating i'm really excited to see the dynamic of alfatari going forward and this should this should light a fire in the prez's ass but you would think so you would hope so not. but well you've I, you better you better get hip to the idea because one way or the other if you could use this trend if it's not ricardo it's gonna be someone else yeah replacing him at the end of 24 so anyway uh right so 11th team in f1 right we've we've talked about this recently uh, there's been more chatter about this in the last week, so yay! Let's do this now. We talked about like, w- the deadline of April thirtieth. There's a deadline of May fifteenth, and there's a deadline of July fifteenth for all this kind of. These are not deadlines, but kind of it was more so. Uh, I guess mm, targets. I guess points, yeah, yeah. I guess they're just I, rough, I, rough ideas. So I'm going to read a piece from Scott Mittelmalm on the race about this because they've been more so at the forefront reporting this than some of the other outlets so uh, i'm just going to read from this and we can take from this what we will so uh scott mitchell Malm writes the opening phase of the search invited any interested parties to submit a preliminary expression of interest and those that did were given the complete requirements for the full application process which had an initial deadline of april 30th or the sunday of the azerbaijan grand prix but it was extended to may 15th because more information needed to be requested the original April deadline meant a decision on whether any new team will join the grid was expected by June 30th. This was only ever treated as a target, though. Once it slipped, once it slipped back to mid-July, with July 15th commonly cited as the new deadline, the same applied. It was a target and not a concrete deadline. And now that that's passed as well, without any news. But whether the answer arrived in June is planned, or comes this month, or even later, it seems unlikely the process will end with all the major stakeholders actually thinking it's a good idea. The stakeholders don't need to pick a new team at all, and though the most recent calls for interest have ended in new entries, the the F1 landscape has changed since then. So the decision makers may determine that none of the prospective entries merit a place on the grid. Multiple parties have talked up their interest in joining F1, and some have come forward to confirm they have acted on that interest, like Andretti Cadillac and High Tech Grand Prix. The Andretti Cadillac collaboration and the would-be expansion of Hitech's junior single-seater empire were considered the most serious proposals by many in the paddock. They have had their they have their own strengths and weaknesses, although the Andretti Cadillac bid has been the most talked about and has apparently pressed the, the most behind the scenes and became a great case study for the issues that have dominated this process. 
it would be surprising if either gets an 11th entry. That's not a judgment against the application submitted, but because the cases that, uh, uh, sorry, that's not a judgment against the application submitted, because the cases that have been that have been made have been made remained private. It's just a feeling based on the fairly consistent narrative for months, if not a couple of years, that reflects a pretty divided landscape. F1's commercial rights holder and its governing body don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, especially the subject of more teams. And this is not, as some have tried to make it out, a straight decision for the FIA alone. While this is a process overseen by the governing body, the commercial rights holder has a key role to play. If either F1 or the FIA have an issue, no entry will be granted. There needs to be a unified position, and that has not felt like the case whatsoever. For example, F1 CEO Stefano Dominicali's personal opinion is that the grid doesn't, the grid doesn't need to expand. And a quote from Dominicali, if you, have good, if you have a good show, 20 cars are more than enough. If you have two cars or two drivers fighting, the level of attention is mega. And so you can imagine 20 cars, 10 teams on the, on the level where there is a competition on the track, it would be impressive. I would say, let's wait and see. My no is not against someone who wants to come in. I need to clarify that because otherwise it seems I, that I want to be a protectionist. That is not the case. I want to see the right one. And I need to also respect the ones that have invested in F1 in the last period because we forget too quickly in that respect. We need to be prudent. We need to take the right decision. On the other hand, this is now Mitchell Amstel, uh, that's an end quote from Edmund McCallie. On the other hand, it seems pretty clear that Ben Sullivan would like an Andre Andretti Cadillac entry to be granted. Andretti getting General Motors on board is believed to be a significant factor in why Ben Sullivan felt it was necessary to start a formal evaluation process, and he keeps talking about it in a positive light. Frankly, it's a little surprising the FIA president has been so brazen because it could easily be interpreted as him identifying a favourite. Given the process is live and neutrality is quite important, publicly pondering on how he could say no to a brand like General Motors, as he did in an interview with the Associated Press, didn't set out as a particularly shrewd thing to do. The personal opinions of people of the, uh, at the top of these organisations may or may not be relevant. Only those at the heart of the process can see either way. But ignoring any specific arguments for, uh, for or against specific bids, there has been a division throughout this process that there gets to be gets, gets to the core of why any entry being accepted seems so unlikely. Uh, do, 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 just reading on, yeah. So there's so that's a a general sense that it, there may not be an eleventh team being accepted, and obviously the reasons for this, I think, some of which are outlined by Scott Mitchell, ma'am. The division I think prevalent is that teams don't want a major disruption to the uh, dilution fund. Uh, or sorry, they don't. Sorry, they want they they want to increase dilution fund for start from two hundred million to six hundred million, but they also don't want to have that split in revenue that eleven team would take from the other ten, which I think is an incredibly selfish thing on F one teams' behalf. But F one teams act on F one teams' interest. Uh, Total Wolf was in particular uh, steadfast on this particular point uh, about about this. But anyways, um, it's not the only F one. Obviously, those are two notable ones: high tech and. The uh, Andretti one, obviously. There has been another one, and the race wrote about this as well. Uh, one that came out to light recently. It's called Lucky Sons, uh, which is the reference I made earlier. And it's spelled okay. L-K-Y-S-U-N-Z, Lucky Sons. I saw this, yeah. So at the heart of this, this is, I believe, it has the support of more than one government in Southeast Asia, which is fairly significant. Um, it, what it wants to offer is more so entry points into African and Asian markets 
which as you've talked about often on this podcast is an area f1 i think would love to tap into more yeah definitely reflective of course i think in f1's bid to trick at the south african grand prix back on the calendar uh, their efforts on that so f1 so reading this from the race and rob hansford wrote this f1 hopeful lucky sons believe it has the answer to that uh, it promises a unique way of operating and this is this, this bit's odd and this is a quote from uh from from lucky sons this is so weird cringy basically hip-hop is our template in the way the team will act i don't i don't get that you uh, won't yeah that's 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 a real quote from the people behind lucky sons right if they get let in um, and someone from a serious organization <laughs> like cadillac and andretti don't i'm going to lose my shit so Hanser continues to write, but the main selling point it's focusing on is its F1 bid is to promise to expand Champions' commercial reach to new audiences. What Lucky Sons believes will set apart from its commitment to different regions than those it feels are focused by on by F1 and the 10 existing teams. It wants to hire talent from the Southeast Asia and Africa in particular. The latter continent see without a Grand Prix in the last three years. Yeah, 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 South Africa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is what the co-founder and chief commercial officer, Andrew Pyra, I think is his name, uh, this is Lucky Sun's co-founder, Chief Commercial. Traditionally, F1 is European. It's got that traditional corridor in Europe. That's the central base. But we think differently. We are dreaming almost. We are doing things that people say are impossible. But you can't cut out an entire continent because of logistical reasons. That's not forward thinking. We are very uh, cocksure that it could be done. I've never heard that one before, cocksure. No, I haven't either. It opens up a complete new demographic of, of person to be involved in, in a Formula 1 team and to engage in Formula 1 as well. Because the because they obviously see it as a very Western sport as well. So we are f- fully committed to that region. Um, and says it basically said there will be a satellite office in Europe and facilities in Asia that, that aren't in Asia yet. He said, like an aerodynamic facility, facility that will be based in the more traditional area, but every part of, our, of the team will be housed in our complex that we will obviously be building in Southeast Asia. So if we are fortunate enough to be awarded the license, it will be built between that moment and our first season in 2026. That's a short time frame. And it's a very short time frame. It's not, they're also not the only team trying to boast a, 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 a region as like a, as part of their entry or their bid. Because remember, there's that because one of the criteria there's like there's a the, the race has got a video on this. There's I think seven criteria on that the FIA and F1 look at. Diversity is one of them. There is that bid. Um, I think with Craig Pollock being part of it where it's promising that 50-50 of the, of the workforce will be male and female, and it's also being based in the Middle East. Yeah. So they're not the only team with this in mind. So, I don't know. They, 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 that name came up during the week. They've kind of gone public now with their whole their whole bid. So I guess between them, Hitech, Andretti, the, the Craig Pollock-led one, are the, are, sorry, the, um, the, I don't know what the Middle Eastern one, what name it goes under at the moment. Um, but what's your general take on, I guess, the general consensus shifting to that it seems like we're not going to get an 11th team? I want to know what your thoughts on that, and I guess maybe the perspective, uh, why that's right, why that's wrong, based on the, I guess, the players, uh, the teams that play here between Andretti, Hightech, and I guess some of the other ones that I play. My views on it are the same as it's always been. I, I, do, I do believe that we should have an 11th team, and even for 12th team, but... If the deals aren't right, then it's not right at the end of the day. But um, I, I, I don't see why people can't see eye to eye on small things. It's, it's so annoying. It's 
the fact that this process has taken this long as well is, is stupid. It's going on way too long. It should have been should have been an easier decision. If you're not for it, you're not for it at the end of the day. There's no point dragging it on and letting people build facilities in hope that they're going to be part of the of Formula One, i.e. Andretti, um, and possibly even high tech expanding their operations to mm. try and prove that they're committed to the sport. Because I think that's just pointless and just a waste of money. And you know, money's tight in the world of the, in, in the in the current time, so there's no point wasting it. Um, but I, I, based off what I've seen of the new teams, I, I don't see anything really coming to fruition. I just think we're going to be stuck with ten teams until at least twenty thirty, because at the rate we're going, it's just not happening. Just nobody can sort of agree that yes, this is a good idea. Yes, we need them. Yes, they're going to financially benefit us in terms of expanding our markets and the offset of for the other teams that are already in the sport is going to be enough. It's it's just never going to work out. There's always going to be someone that's going to be unhappy, and I don't think anyone's prepared to back down. And it's just it's just never going to work. I, I think, think we are stuck. Yeah. There is, does seem to be an impasse. I think it's ridiculous that we're in this position. I think. Team, oh, I completely agree. I think the current teams are being extremely selfish, and the, I think I'd say the particular ones, Mercedes in particular, I think are at the top of this. Who? Because Wolf I has had a the... Wolf has had oh. a problem with Michael Andretti and the Andretti um, outfit in, or the Andretti entry in particular. I don't fully understand why, other than teams are upset that it takes away more money from them at the end of the season. I could understand that up to a point. If you're a minnow team like Williams, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Because obviously they get a small chunk of the pie because they finished lower down the championship. I know they get a heritage bonus and what have you, but I can understand them being a little bit pissed. Because you're like, well, we're going to lose even more to get somebody else in. I can fine. understand Williams being pissed, but they've I don't I have not seen any on record comment about them being upset about this thing. It's no, the big no, teams. Exactly. It's the big teams. Who who have often who've like we just like we're talking about the engine stuff with Horner and Wolf, etc. and all about the show, the sport. It's like again, I we've said this often, everyone's extremely contradictory. This is a prime example right here. You say these things and yet you don't want to grant a feasible entry. Like it's not for been my arse racing team. Like it's this is high tech. You've got someone trusted. This is Andretti, like a world renowned. Uh, regardless if you're like if you're only an F1 fan, then like uh, you may not have heard. It, but like Andretti is an extremely famous motorsport racing name with extreme pedigree and history. Heritage, yeah. Which can it's add. More like... Go on. Well, <laughs> I, I was just going to say it's not like the. The, the other sudden's entry where it's just completely out of the blue and it's, no one's heard of them before. Yeah. We don't need we don't need another another team like that coming into the sport. It's basically what we're saying. It's if they're gonna do it, do it with the established names. But at the end of the day, Michael Andretti sort of shot himself in the back a little bit by being a bit upfront with it. But at, at the same time, he sort of had his hand forced and had to do it because. F1's being sublimin ludicrous with the whole situation yeah. to start off Here's with. the thing. Total Wolf has talked, like, recently talked about, like, to Andrew, the whole Andretti thing, buy a, buy a team. To which Andretti said, they couldn't. We tried. Like, we, we couldn't tried. buy a team, which is now why they're doing this 11, they're going for 11 team. They've, like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what else they have to do. Like, he's clearly tried to buy. Couldn't, they couldn't get the, the Alfa Romeo or the, the Cyber thing to work. That ends up going to Audi. Um, they, 
getting a manufacturer in General Motors, a massive, enormous corporation uh, that, you know, full of massively boosted their bid. And yet, like, they're building, they're, they're already an established racing outfit who've got massive success uh, in various forms. They're going to win the. They're, they're going to. They're going to win the Formula E title with Jake Dennis. That's going to happen. Uh, mm. So like, it's not like they're. Yeah, well, that's happening. <laughs> I just don't think it's. I don't see it not happening. But they're a massive name with a massive corporation attached to them now in, in Cadillac and General Motors. They're building like they've they've got infrastructure in place and building infrastructure to better suit a Formula One outfit. They have marketability. It's not just the fact they're American. They've got all these other things going for them. I just don't understand. Like, it's just agenda-based. Why, at this stage, so, Dominicali and F1 and such are not accepting this bid or are likely not going to accept it? Because there's, I just don't know what's missing from this out this bid that is a credible reason other than we want to keep our money. Essentially, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's just selfishness, selfish agendas at the end of the day. That's all this is. I, it's just. I, th- I think it's doing more harm to F1's image than it is any good. It should it be was. doing more harm because like, it, you, you break down the reasons. It's, it's ludicrous. Like, what doesn't Andretti have to, to for a bid to be to be not accepted? Here? Oh, we're opening a bidding process, but actually, you're going to pay some money to get into this bidding process, which I think is absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, <laughs> put all this money down to have your name even registered, and then we're going to be like, actually, you know, what, we're going to we're going to keep that that proposed entry fee and what have you and just throw it back in your face yeah I, I don't, I, if i'm andretti i'm just like well fuck you guys then honestly we've tried and if you let they in did. someone like rising suns or whatever it's called then <laughs> I'll, I'll be i'll be so pissed off now if, if this rising suns is backed by a manufacturer as well then surely that would be an acceptable bid and then you can be like, right, if they're coming in from the Asian market, we can tap into the American market with Andretti and Cadillac. And if we want to go one step further, high tech adds another British name in. But I don't think they will. I think the limit is two. And even then, that's pushing it. And even then, that's not going to happen. Mm. So, yeah, it's all just a complete load of bollocks. Yeah, basically. essentially. Like, it's the other thing to this is that I know, like, America, Fred was sort of talked about this recently. Like having an American team for the American t- for the sake of the American team is not the right reason. I agree, but like we've got all, all these other reasons for Andretti. But the fact that the American helps because, like, with all due respect to Haas, this is a real American team. If you get me, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's not an advertisement. What what the common like? I think what the common racing fan they maybe they do identify with Haas as an American team. I don't know. But it, but I, I feel like the difference between Andretti and F one and Haas and F one as American teams, I think, would be night and day. And obviously with yeah. Colin Hirsch at the, at, the, at the possibly at the helm as well. Mm, I don't think Colin gets there at this point, but um, but the difference between like Hirsch as American driver and Logan Sargent as American driver are, are there's a chasm. Yeah, in my yeah, mind, there is. There is. I agree. But I don't know. It it just feels bizarre. The only thing I can't help but wonder is I wonder if I wonder if Andretti tied their horse to the wrong manufacturing wagon if they had gone with Porsche for this yeah after the Porsche thing fell through with Red Bull and Andretti because like they're, they're, they are currently aligned in in the Formula E to good success with the Avalanche I, I think the Andretti. talks would have happened 
but obviously they've gone to Cadillac because it wasn't going to work out. Maybe there was more funding with Cadillac or something, or certainly the, yeah. the poor thing seemed to fall through for that reason, if his talks did take place. But I think that would have been the way to go because I think I think F1 would definitely have made an allowance for Porsche to be on the grid. They clearly wanted that. I don't think it's outrageous thing they didn't want that. They would have... I think they would have made more concessions and teams would have made more, made more concessions. Maybe not Mercedes, but there not other teams in F1. Would have made more concessions to get uh, Porsche on the grid. And I think it would have been perfect through the Andretti outfit. So maybe they tried that avenue and didn't work out. Maybe they, they missed out. I don't know. It just seems ludicrous we're in a situation where we're not going to get 11 team. And there's like 10 teams being too... Like the notion, I think it was a total wolf that said 10 teams was too many. It was ridiculous. Like the, that's a ridiculous that's not, assumption. That's, that's bare minimum in my opinion. That, like, yeah. Like if we lost one, obviously we're left at nine. That's ridiculous. Like it's... it's 10 teams being too many or is the right number I think is a ridiculous thing when not 7 years ago we had 11 with Manor on the grid was any of this shit talked about then if it is fair then fine I will hold up my hands up but I don't think it was um, it's just I don't know it's, it seems ridiculous to me but anyway there's a rant on that um, right yes I think <laughs> I reckon so let's talk F3 and F2 uh, from Austria and Silverstone Star at F3, I guess the general consensus is that I think this title is done. You think? I think it's done. Bortoletto is going to is going to take this one. And I was saying that there is only a few rounds left. There's three there's yeah. three rounds left. His lead is uh thirty well, it's actually not that much. It's thirty six points, but he's Yeah, been, but he's going He's been on. he's been too consistent and it's like the closest competitor is Pepe Marti on ninety two points. There's a great scrap behind that for like between like here's the thing Mini and Aaron are tied for third on 77 points. Behind them is Be- uh, Beganovic on 75, Carl Pinto 74, O'Sullivan 73, Fornaroli 62. And if you really want to go deep, it's Saucy on 51. There's a great scrap behind, but they're 50 plus points behind. Yeah, if they're 51 points behind Bortoletto, I, I just it could happen. I don't see it happening based on. These guys keep tripping up over themselves. So, like, maybe one person wins, but it's never enough. And Bortoletto ends up in the points anyway at some stage to take points at some stage. His work is... I think his hard work is done because of uh, the work he did, I think, in the first few rounds. Yeah. Um, the last round at Imlet does not help. No. If, if, the thing is, if he comes away from Hungary with a 30-point-plus lead, he's the title's done. If, if things go tits up in Hungary then maybe the title can go someone else's. He's not been insane the last couple of races, I will I will say. It wasn't the stonking um like early season form, mm, but yeah. he's still been in the mix. That, like that's the thing. Like he did his early work early on and now he just needs because others are there's because I would say no like Pepe Marty's won a, a race or two, but I don't think this F3 grid has been particularly stellar in its competition at the front, so to speak. No, it's not. It's not been great. I think they're in a similar way. I think they're outside of Bortoletto. I think there's a fantastic battle to be had. It's similar to the Verstappen angle in F1, but because Bortoletto is so far ahead at this stage, like there's a great scrap behind, but not not like it's just to your point. It's too late. To your point, he hasn't won a feature race since Melbourne, which is round two, yeah. but he's been consistently picking up like. He's picked up 15 plus points at every single round since Monaco onwards. Yeah, but now all you need is consistency in these two, in F3 and F2 to win a championship, basically. 
and he's not showing any sign of that disappearing or other people catching up and you know vastly running away so like i think that's fine for him he's sorted he only has to worry about marty really um it would take a disaster for like the likes of Minnie and aaron and uh, beganovich etc to get involved at that's this another stage trident title. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be another trident what, what are they on in i don't F3? know it's, i don't understand how can they be so good in f3 and so bad in f2 the the driver choices aren't the best in f2 i will say I mean, like, Novelak and Stanek no- were good drivers in F3, heading up to F2. Yeah, but Novelak had a very poor first year in F2. Very poor. And has sort of carried this on in F- in his second year. Whereas Stanek, I can cut some slag. He, it all, I, I expected him to take a year to get used to it. But, yeah. Mm. It, it just never translate, which translates with Trident. They just can't seem to uh, make it make it work. Couple other takeaways from the action. Uh, by the way, the, I think the two, the two weekends of racing we got for F three and F two. I think have been generally fantastic in F three. They um, were bad in F two. I will say that. Yeah, there's like the sprint in F three for Austria was fantastic. So there was a lot of fun there. Uh, the yeah, Mini getting knocked out in the feature race in Austria really hurt. Um, kind of a silly incident, kind of understeering to the back of a was it called Pinto or one of the Williams uh, liveried cars in the feature race in Austria. That was that was rough. Um, Bortano I think finished second in the feature which was a good result for him uh, poor Montoya man um, he tried to go for a podium on the last lap against Colapinto and ended up coming out second worst on that which was rough uh, another example of Montoya and another one will come in uh, Silverstone where he's in, he gets himself in such a good position for, for one reason or another whether it be himself or someone else ends up being run out of a road or off the road or runs himself off the road his pace I think he's found his pace Montoya it's just he's struggling to chain the consistency together. That's fine. F3, that's fine because we've seen how many times we've seen people come second season in F3 and have an absolute barnstormer. I oh, think Montoya yeah. will be one of them. Yeah. So I think you can aim for that next year. Uh, yeah, Sophia Flores P9 in Austria and then got disqualified. That was, <clears throat> that was rough. Um, we had fascinating wet, dry stuff in both Austria and Silverstone, which was great fun. Yeah, um, we love those kind of races. Yeah, so you had... Now, okay, big talking point. In the sprint of the F3 in Silverstone, they threw a safety car the second rain it came, essentially. Now, I know there are drivers that agreed to the decision. I do think a lot of this is knee-jerk reactions to uh, what happened in Freca in Belgium. I think they would have been like... We, and heck, you end up having drivers who end up choosing drives on the wet track anyway. Yeah, so I don't. I, get it. I said this to you because you didn't get a chance to watch the race live, and I, I did, and I was like, I, I was blown away by the fact that they called it as, as a safety car pretty much instantly, as soon as it started raining. I was just like, all oh, right, okay. It That's like, literally knee jerk. It's not as like they were like they weren't they coming up to like Beckett's Beckett's and Chapel anyways. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as if like it was like they just started the lap. Yeah, it like, was. They could have pit if they wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Like, heck, and drivers go slower in these conditions. And it's you're not dealing with the block. Like, it wasn't torrential immediately. Like, you, I think you could... It were, the conditions were certainly better than they were in, in Belgium. And drivers, I don't think, were... Like, if... There's enough... I think there's enough runoff at Silverstone for, for this there's kind of thing. It's not the same as, as Belgium. There is way more... Bel- may well runoff in the right areas, anyway. Yeah. And you're not bl- totally blind in the corner like that as you are, say, with... Uh, I've actually seen the fan uh, image or footage since of that accident. So I know it was further yeah, on in the end. Yeah. Uh, but 
I don't know. It did seem knee-jerk. I know Jar was supportive of it, but I, I do think it was a very much a knee-jerk reaction. So, whatever. Um, but we got some fantastic racing after the safety car, though, between guys on wets and dries. And, like, the images of, like, coming up through, like, uh, through Luffield of, like, you've, like, six or seven cars just, just pinged there. Like, it, it was quite incredible to watch. Yeah, it was fun. I will say that. Yeah, it was it was good fun. I will say over these two races, I think Colapinto did himself quite well over these two weekends. A bit more consistency for him. I I think he's had a disappointing season overall. But yeah, it's not been the season that I thought he would yeah, have. Yeah, both him and Sullivan, uh, or Sullivan, I think have been in the same in that regard. But Sullivan won the feature race in in Austria and then went scoreless in Silverstone, which is a shame because he's on seventy three points. He could easily be third in the standings, very very easily. Should be arguably maybe he should be second, close to Marty. Uh, if he had any point scoring at all in Silverstone, but uh, that was such a mid second place, honestly. He's so mid. <laughs> um, but he ended up, he went scoreless as as did Beganovic, uh, which is unfortunate in a sense, like because like he would he went he went he went out to the wet tires in the sprint, and they were the right ones, and then they weren't. <laughs> yeah, it's not his fault that the engine blew up in qualifying. So mm, that didn't help either. He ruined his race. Mini scored only six twelve points from Silverstone, and only scored nine in. Uh, Spielberg, which really has derailed his title chances, he could have been still pretty much up there, and, and, and that's after the fact he went scoreless in uh, Barcelona as well. So yeah. he could have been Bartoletto's closest title contender, and now he's not. <laughs> Very simply for that, uh, Ford Rollies decided to show up for the season, which was nice. Got himself pole and uh, a podium, I believe, in Silverstone. So nice yep. for him. Uh, nice for Oli Gus to finally show up this season. Won the feature race and uh, mix in mixed conditions, but. Uh, I liked him the back end of last season when he came in. He's been the worst trident of the bunch and been pretty disappointing. The race win, right, was his first point-scoring finish since he took second place in Bahrain. Jesus Christ. Yeah, round one. That's bizarre. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... What an up-and-down season, that is. That's crazy, isn't it? It is wild to think about. Um, Collins had some good races, I thought, over the two. Um, yeah, but how, how, how many more seasons can he have in F3 for fuck's sake? I know, I know. Year four, man. Year four. <laughs> and he was the higher rated two, one of the two. He was not He was the one that was being kept in instead of Martans when they dropped Martans to, and then bought him back. Colette was the one that was consistently in the program and then ended up getting dropped anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny that. But uh, yeah, uh, I've actually really liked Christian Mansell this season. Like, he's not been amazing, but I, he's always seems to be in the mix somewhere. Yeah, I just like watching him. And he got a podium in uh, in in the sprint as well. So fair play for him. Um, by the way, one awesome recovery from Montoya from Seb Montoya out in the sprint after getting taken out by for the lead by Taylor Barnard. Still managed to score some points. Yeah. His, I think his time is coming. I think I, I think Montoya will be... If, it's just a year too early, I think. I think he'll be in F3 next season, and I think he should be one of the favourites for it. Yeah, I predicted it a year too early. Mm-hmm. I think you are right. It's just... Yeah. He's, he's getting it together. He's getting it together. Uh, I don't think I have any other massive takeaways. So, like, solid stuff from Aaron still. Like, it's not... It's, again, like I think I've, like I've said before, it's solid but not spectacular. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The, F3 hasn't been insane. I will say that. Neither has F2, to be honest. They've no, they both not really grabbed me this year. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, I would counter that by... I, I, it's been difficult for you to watch these live, so that investment hasn't quite been yeah. 
it would, even I think with you feel, you you feel a little bit, you feel, you feel a little bit differently. I think if you had been able to, uh, you know, watch a little bit more life, I think would be, would have, would help your own perspective. I think in that, but life happens, man. It's, I understand how you feel or why you feel that way. Especially F3, like the title fight obviously hasn't, is not there. And F2 is tightening up a little bit. We can be, I think, let's see if any other F3 opinions, we can move on to F2. Yeah. Uh, I will say Austria. Yeah, again, so very fun stuff in Austria. It was the best weekend of the season up to that point, I feel like, in F2 for Austria. Mm-hmm. That was excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, the, what do I have from the sprint? Uh, yeah, doing went off at turn four uh, on slicks. In, so a couple of B1s for slicks in that sprint. Deruvla and uh, Duan both went off. Doom was able to recover it. Uh, Deruvla was not. Richard for short crashed himself out of P2, which... In retrospect, given what he did for the feature race, he could easily be in fourth in standings right now. What a weird season, man. So many people have flopped this season there too. Like Richard for sure wins one feature race and he's up to sixth in the standings. It's so bizarre. Martin's won his feature race in Silverstone and he's up to fifth now. Behrman yeah. is the same thing, man. Like he had the Martin's and Behrman such like they had they've had pace, man. They've shown pace from race one. For one reason or another, it never it didn't come together in the first four rounds. They're fourth and fifth on the same number of points. Isn't that insane? Yeah, that is actually rather insane. But it, that's incredible to me. It, but it also shows it shows that they their pace is, is legit, and B yeah, it's, how everyone else has flopped around them essentially. Yeah, it just shows another year, and I think they'll be yeah uh, rocking and rolling. I think they're legit. Yeah, I think they are legit. It's just like like you said, they're rookies at the end of the day, like and that's that's what rookies do. Uh, to, to do feature race. Yeah, Martins has had pull for both these, I think, and blew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he obviously regained it back at Silverstone, but in Austria, I will say he was shafted by an absolute dive on McGee by Cushmine <laughs> into turn three, and he lost that position, and then Dewan went past him for the feature race. So that was rough. Uh, to, to, to do the feature race in Austria, really, um, for sure, and Awasa and Behrman were absolutely saved by that safety car for Leclerc. Um, they were kind of nowhere in the alternate strategy. They were rescued. So he had for sure, and it was fine for the win. Behrman salvaged a few points in the end from the feature race. I think he finished like fifth. But yeah. they were rescued. Other people got shafted, of course. Vesti, du- uh, Porsche, and Duan were shafted. Vesti out of the race win. Duan out of a podium. And same for Porsche. Ended up dropping like to seventh, I think, in the end. So that was unfortunate, but uh, these things happen. Yeah, he- Yay, Silverstone. Right, we actually watched a sprint in person for this. We were treated for some fantastic racing. Um, Martans and Hadja, or sorry, and Fittipaldi had a great scrap. That was very fun. It was long for nearly two sectors. It was ridiculous. So much fun in in in, uh, in those wet conditions. So much trust. Mm. So much trust. It was good. It was really good racing. You had Hadja being like showing up for the season essentially, and then becoming an immediate cork in the bottle. So that allowed Vesti to escape into the distance once he got by. Behrman was unbelievable in the early in the early part of this race. Holy moly! Something and then bowled it, and then spun, and then just seemed like he destroyed the tires. And that you could see the maturity, I think, of Porcher come to fruition in this one. Yeah. So he ended up coming back up to P two. Uh, so that was good fun. We had a great scrap between uh, Dewan and Behrman in the end, a heated battle. And then yeah, we came out with a great moment after a 
Behrman went straight on yeah. after locking the brakes. Bye, Felicia, essentially. Bye, Felicia, yeah. From Ed doing as a... He really... He, I was really personally really enjoyed that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, I would if someone I was racing against did that. I'd be like, yeah, fuck it off. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was... Do you think it was no, not as, not as serious, but you know what I mean? You'd just be like, yeah. Yeah. I'm better than you. So that allowed Vessi to escape up the road for a, 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 <sighs> another sprint race win. <sighs> the feature, though, did flip things a little bit on his head. So Martins again lost the lead from uh, from Paul, and then took it back from Iwasa. Was judged to have gone off the track to do so, and got a five second penalty. Did you not think Iwasa completely squeezed him off? I did not see this. I saw after he was in the lead, <laughs> so I missed like the first five laps or so, first five six laps. I th- I thought it was I thought it was I thought Wassa I like I like Martins but I really thought Wassa shoved him out there so I thought that was quite harsh for Martins to get that uh, five second penalty but anyway uh, then we had uh, Vessi ended up being retired from the race from a multi car collision the replays suggested it was Hauger that went into the back of him which he did but what we missed and didn't see was that Nissani started the entire thing <laughs> hit Hauger who hit Vesti who hit Stanek and they all went out of the race. <laughs> Yay, which was funny. And actually, sorry, I think actually, sorry, Nisani, of course, got to carry on. Of course, he did. Comes up a penalty afterwards. Bush, Hauger, and Vesti and Stank all out of the race. But that sounds brilliant. Well well done to Nisani for that. Good stuff from him. And then, yeah, in, in the West, then Porcher comes up to P3. So 15 points for him, puts him right back in contention for the title. This title fight's back on all of a sudden. And it's only six points from Vesti to Porcher. Iwasa is hanging about. It's on 111 points to Vesti's Yeah, it's, them, it's them three, isn't it? It's between them three, which is, yeah. Porcher should be winning this, but whatever. I mean, it's. I don't think Behrman and Martins are out of it. They've shown pace all year. There's still f- five rounds left, ten races left. Yeah, but they've got to be... Doing what Vesti is doing, basically. They need a lot to happen. They need Vesti to obviously fall out, and Porsche, and Iwasa. And they're likely, the Iwasa's catchable, for sure. Yeah, they, no, he's, he's in seventh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Same joke uh, for Same joke three, three years. years, man. It's ridiculous. I will actually, just very quickly on that, I will say, fair play to for sure for avenging that um, future race that he won in Austria last year and got disqualified. Yeah, yeah, that that was poetic, and he, he dedicated, of course, to um, Van Toff as well, which was which yeah. was a nice touch as well. But I will say, Baron and Martins can definitely get Iwasa. They need a little bit more to go wrong for Vesti and Porcher to get back up to them, but it's possible. Mm, yeah. Now, also, don't understand how Behrman got penalised for taking out both campuses. I do not understand that <laughs> one. He didn't even touch them, but got a penalty for it. It was the Campos taking out the other Campos, unless there was some more footage from beforehand that I haven't seen, but uh, it was very bizarre. Yeah, that was a strange one. I will say, Berman has lost a little bit of the momentum that he had going for him from Baku and Spain. Yeah. Um, again, kind of shithouse his way into a good result in, in uh, Austria, so he needs to get back on track in a hurry here. Martins is in good form. Two pole positions in a row, I believe, and uh, he got shafted in the, the feature race in Austria. May came through and won the race after dealing with the, getting the five second penalty, so he got the gap on Maloney. So he made that work. So I think top three is gettable for those two. They need a little bit more to go for the title. Iwasa's in kind of in between, isn't he? Like he could end up going for the title, he could end up slipping behind Martins and even for sure, possibly, if things go horribly wrong. Yeah. 
So it was interesting. But yeah, I think we're we're finally poised, I think, nicely here in F2 going forward for a title fight. I was afraid Vesti might begin to escape with this. But I think we've got enough reason to be excited about some of the stuff for F2 coming up now. Yeah, maybe. I didn't beforehand, so I'm happy with that from that point of things. Yeah. So two good races. Looking forward to the action in the, over the weekend in Budapest. So looking forward to that. Right. Yeah. Let's quickly talk Formula E. Uh, season's winding down here. Double header in Rome. Uh, an almighty crash, I must say, between uh, in the in the round thirteen, the first race. The I mean, what what can we say? Like it was just what Sam Burgess lost it, and then it's the nature of the track, isn't it? I guess mm, it's it, caused a massive concertina effect for a lot of drivers. Yeah, essentially, very scary. Very Some drivers scary. that went left and got away with it, others that went right and didn't get away with it, and then sadly Mortara in the middle who uh, got into the into uh, into Bird. Then, but I would say this. So I guess maybe beforehand, like there was the report that came out that Cassidy is going to go to Jaguar, replacing Sam Bird. Yep. So that's pretty big news. There's a nice... Which is a, which is a weird one, actually. But Yeah. Sure. I mean, considering the fact that he's, like, Cassidy is ahead of both Jaguars for the title yeah. of contention here. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't uh, it? Money talks. I guess so. I guess so. It's a good seat. It's, 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 I think on balance, it's, well, I mean... Other than and there's Dennis, the relationship with uh, Bohemia, I suppose. Yeah, obviously we saw that in Berlin. That was pretty rough. Um, this tension's going on there. So I guess they might have to... Uh, whether that's on Bohemia's side, maybe that's on Cassidy's side, maybe it's both. That'll be interesting to monitor with Evans going forward. Because uh, obviously, though, like, I wouldn't say Sam... Like, it could have been a lot more explosive between, like... Uh, if he had the dynamic of, like, the two Jaguars crashing in multiple times this season, as they have... If it wasn't yeah, well, Evans and Bird, it may have been a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah. So I think there is that to consider. But yeah, an interesting move for Cassidy for sure. It, it obviously leaves a like a nice spot in vision for someone. Yeah. Whether that ends know, up being Bird or the general consensus that De Vries. Um, well, I mean, I, De Vries, I think he'll land on his feet in for me somewhere. The general consensus is that because I, I read a piece on the race about this. I think it was from I actually can't remember who it was from. I don't have it in front of me. The consensus is that Lotter is not going to be in that in dressing next season. Yeah, I could have told you that. Which the season even started. Yeah, well, yes, it should have been, yeah. but So that's a good seat for someone. Uh, not sure what's happening with Porsche. I don't know if Costa is, if they're keeping their lineup around. or there's, I think there's a Maserati seat up for grabs with uh, one of those mm. two cars. I would guess Gunther would keep his seat. Yeah. Maybe not Mortara, who's got 29 points in 15th here. E. That was 12, that's after 12 points coming in, in there. That was actually his best result of the season coming in the second race in Rome. So, yeah, it's not looking great there. So, I don't know. There could be could be some good seats up for grabs. Uh, so, I guess there's uh, that's on the driver front, but on the, on the driver market front. But, yeah, two good re- two good races, I would I would say, to be fair. Uh, Mitch Evans got himself into title contention again. With a feature with the the race win, the first race, and then single handedly took himself and probably Nick Cassidy out of it with a crash, then heading down into I don't remember what turn it was, but going him going over the top, putting himself out of the race, putting Cassidy out of the points, and allowing Jake Dennis to win the race. So brilliant stuff all yeah. around. As Dennis got pole, basically what Mitchell uh, Evans did, uh, pole fastest lap on the, the race win, the Grand Slam. Uh, or for me, Grand Slam, I guess. But it puts Dennis's lead up to 24 points, which is not unassailable, but going to 
the last two rounds in a place where I think he won both of these races last year. He did. I don't see how he doesn't win the title. Mm. I think that's... Like, if it was somewhere else, I would say maybe there's a chance, but he's really good at London E-Pre. And he knows... I think he's got one hand on the trophy. He gets. He can win. He technically can win. Obviously, he can win the title in the next race. It, it can be done. Yeah. Given the circumstances, so I, I, I think I think he's good. And again, like he's been the best driver over the entire season. He had that brief stretch in the in the the latter, like kind of the early to mid part of the season in uh, to do oh in India, South Africa, Brazil, and the first Berlin E Prix, where he didn't score any points. Anytime he has scored points, bar the first uh, Italy race where he finished fourth, so he's been on the podium. Like he's been on the podium uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, nine times, mm. nine podiums out of fourteen races. Yeah, one of those has been a P three. <laughs> Jeez. And the other, these other only other point scoring place was a P four. When he had, when he's actually been in the points, he's been the best driver of the bunch. I think he'll be a, he'll be a deserving champion. I think it's unfortunate that Evans did what he did, the mistake that he made. It kind of took away of what well, could have been a three way title fight coming into the last race. So that's unfortunate. Last few races, uh, but yeah, that's unfortunate. Now. It is like Evans is certainly done. Verline certainly done. Cassie is hanging on by a thread. So. It's uh, going to be tough, but it's been a great season overall, I think, for Formula E, regardless. Mm, it has been. It's, it's been, I think it's been, pound for pound, the best racing action of any of the series this season, in terms of, like, a competitive at the front, always. IndyCar can always offer that this season, with the Pelot streak. Mm. I, I think, yes, as a purist, I think IndyCar is more fun, obviously, but I, I think Formula E, for race for race, has offered the best racing action in 2023. That's my, oh that's my uh, personal opinion. Uh, Why is it coming to this? So, whether you agree or not, I do not know. But anyway, everyone wants enough of it to know. Like, I, I, like again, I wouldn't have been mad on it for me beforehand, but I want to give it a go this year uh, properly. I've watched a bit of it last year. It's on YouTube, man. It's super accessible. Um, you know, it's good it fun. is if you have time. That's a, that's time. the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> but if like for for everyone listening, like it's on YouTube, you can always watch it at any given point, which I think is massive for anything really. Uh, hint yeah. hint F one Academy or anyone really. Uh, <laughs> so no, no. no, likely not. Actually, no, it definitely won't. <laughs> but still, yeah, it's a fun. I look forward to the last two E-Pre's of the season, even if Dennis takes the title in the first race. It's good action regardless. So I'm I'm excited for it. It should be good fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing who fin- who slots into the other Envision, and then the I other Envision it now, and the other Andretti. I do. Victor Vries will end up back in Formula E. I don't think there's any question about that. He landed a good spot, I'm sure. Djokovic will end up in one of them. I think Djokovic will end up in the Formula E. Maserati would be my guess. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think that's that's happening because they had to just they had another rookie test, didn't they? And he's top of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's where he'll go and. But I hope he does well there, but anyway. Uh, I just thought it was funny that Cassie crashed into a future teammate like that and took away the title. So a great start to relations, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's always good. Brilliant stuff. Uh, lastly then, IndyCar. Before we move on to the Hungarian Grand Prix, IndyCar. Uh, good fun, I will say, the at uh, Toronto. I will say it was fun watching Lung- Obviously, Lungard took pole 
and then went on to win the race. But it wasn't that simple because Grosjean threw a real spanner in the works because uh, Lund got a six-second lead over McLaughlin, who was on the the greens, and then that lead was gone. And then the guys who decided to pit under that first caution, the Grosjean caution, ended up being the big winners. Uh, then uh, they they didn't pit McLaughlin. And I think Dixon was the other one they didn't pit as well. Uh, was it Dixon? I actually can't remember who it was. Anyway, they split Lungard and McLaughlin, essentially. Uh, Lungard ended up pitting the second caution. I can't remember which one that was for. I can't remember who it was, but... Uh, Lungard was able to make his way back through the field. McLaughlin, not as much, because they, they didn't pit under that second caution either. So, whereas uh, Lungard did. And he was able to get that position back. Uh, nice overtake on Pelot to make it happen. I know Pelot was damaged, but... Lunger had to really earn that one. It was a really great drive. First race win for RLL in three years. Yeah. So that was that was great stuff for them, especially because they were shocking. They were one of the worst teams on the grid earlier in the season. The first oh. first road course and Indy. Yeah, they were they were terrible. So they've completed a quite remarkable turnaround very quickly here because they were they were right in contention. I thought for uh, Mid Ohio. Yeah. Uh, even Rahal was up there. So Lungard smashed it. Honestly, fantastic stuff from him. He's now in the top 10 in the standings now, which is it's good, which is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty mad stuff. Uh, I will say the driver market is looking very interesting for IndyCar because I would say Grosjean's not helped himself at all in one of the entries. No, no, he's just crashing out left, right and centre and is part of Lamborghini's programme for mm. Wake next season. So. Along with Kvyat. Yeah, which... Um, probably will spell the end of his IndyCar career I want to say I wonder I mean we've seen people juggle so we, we might but yeah I mean, do we think Di Francesco is also on the chopping block oh that was oh, that's obvious I think so two, that for a while. two maybe at least one Andretti seat maybe up for grabs that, definitely one definitely one uh, I will say I think I think certainly Malukas is going to be on the move somewhere that yeah. much I think is definitely clear what yeah, else? he's not had a great second season, to be fair, but from mm. what I've seen, it's not as good, but considering his machinery, it's... Uh, yeah, I think um, him and Eilat are in the similar similar boat for that kind of that thing. They're, they're sort of stuck. They sort of hit their peak. With the teams year. they're at. Yeah. yeah. I think they need they need something fresh. So, do you think maybe something opens up at uh, a Ganassi or a McLaren or... Depending on what Depends happens. Depends on what McLaren, McLaren do with the fourth, if they go for a fourth car or not, doesn't it? Do we think Rossi is safe? Yeah, yeah. Zach wouldn't get rid of him after a year. That's at least a two-year deal. Mm. Uh, who else is under a bit of pressure in the standings here? Or a certain team? Uh, let's try to think of anyone else under any massive pressure. I guess maybe not. Not really, no. Penske's all fucking secured. They only need three cars, don't they? Yeah. Surprising yeah, you've much. got him, and... Power. power. They don't need a. Th- they don't need a fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Ganassi have got four. Uh, Andretti have Claren four. Three. I often forget Andretti have four. Of course, but well, it's not hard when different is at the back nine times out of ten. Yeah. Or Kirkwood's in the wall, or Grosjean's in the wall, and the only one consistent. The only one consistent is that Hurt is at the back somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. So I guess like an Andretti seat would be nice for someone. I wonder who they might take. They, they, they'd be. If that if they had a good team or a good team of drivers, fucking deadly. Yeah, I think so. Like, should, they'd have to take on one of Malukas or Eilat. Like, it had, surely. I mean, it would be Malukas, I think. 
I mean, Lucas would make like a, a lot of sense. I just, I still can't believe, man. I can't believe Mark uh, Flippin. Uh, hold on, Armstrong. That's his name. I, I can't believe Marcus Armstrong got a fucking Chip Ganassi drive while Callum Eilat is stuck at Young uh, Youngco still after his rookie season. I can't believe that. As a, mm. that's a crime, absolute crime. And he got shafted yeah. again by reliability later on. He was ahead of his teammate and then had to box. So that was brilliant. Yeah, the da- he put on Twitter some about damage from an earlier incident basically ended his race. Yeah, so brilliant stuff. I will say fair play to Alex Pelot for turning P15 and a damaged front wing into P2 and still extending his championship lead. Yeah, How just says it doesn't it? That's crazy. <laughs> um, Dixon now is in second, Newgarden third, Ericsson fourth, award fifth. Yeah. Uh, so I, and 117 points is the margin between Pelot and Dixon now given the IndyCar point score system it's never really over until what second to last race mm. basically because what Lungard picks himself up 54 points from the weekend <laughs> yeah mental which is great which moves him into the top 7 from uh, 248 minus 54 to what just before 200 or so I guess he's hovering in the top 10 anyway but yeah so he's having a great season despite that car but no, even for a long guard into that mix for Andretti, actually. I know he's tied down to RL, but it doesn't mean shit. I mean, he went and won a race with them. I think the potential is there. It's more so the ones that can't do anything. I think that, like, the likes of Eilat and uh, Malukas, and I don't really, I just, maybe, I don't know, do you want to throw VK into that mix, or? VK has his moments on his own. Well, he's an oval merchant. Yeah, like, who, if you had to look at this grid, like, I'm looking at this grid, like, who would you move up really like let me run through the grid and you can tell me who you move up obviously the below we don't know what's happening with him dixon's staying newgarden's staying ericsson's likely to stay i know there's a mclaren stuff all, all, there. Th- all three all three penskis are staying no matter what they're done yeah pato is staying uh we know one guy is probably gonna stay which is fine he just want a race i'm sure they'll, they'll be fine hersha is staying yeah rossi is likely to stay kirkwood yep. Is likely to stay. Ooh, Felix Rosenquist. He would probably end up at one of the back market teams. I would say he would be perfect for Hungars. Perfect. Oh, could you? Oh, please, Eilash, please, I beg. In in an hour, McLaren, I beg. Yeah. Grosjean, I think we're at a point now, is not secure. No. If he keeps crashing like he does, the Uh, pace is there, just too too many incidents. mm. Renus VK, Ed Carpenter Racing. He's fine. He's mm-hmm. fine, though. Do you think there's an angle for him to move up? No. No. He's not shown enough. Okay. Yeah, actually, I thought he had a good race, to be fair, until the cautions came out but uh, over the weekend. Uh, Armstrong's going to stay, sadly. Eilat, I hope, will move up. Ferrucci, as a driver that could move up the field into a better car. He'll probably end up in fucking Andretti. Uh, he, doesn't he feel like an Andretti driver? He does. Just a shithouser that goes on and there. It's, it's just one of them things. And oh, we did well in the indie. And they'll get bumped up. Yeah. <laughs> me. Um, Lucas, we've talked about. Castro Neves, no. Canapino, no. Di Francesco should be out. Jack Harvey. Canapino's done a lot better than what people give credit for. He's also Hell like. A lot he's also like. I know it's his first like proper open wheel season. But he's like, yeah, that's what I mean. He's like that's 30 I mean. years old. It doesn't matter. Give the man credit. <laughs> He's done a lot better than people give credit for. All right. I mean, he's got he's that much experience, I guess. But uh, Di Francesco, bleh. Jack Harvey, uh, do you see him going Bin. up anywhere? No. Pagano, no. Stingray Pagano's Rob, no. Probably, no, Rob will probably be gone, to be fair. 
Pedersen has made enemies all throughout the, f- the field after his, insta- his, uh, his uh, shenanigans at uh, Mid-Ohio. Ryan Hunter-Ray, no. Taku Sato, is he coming back? Probably not. So, do you know what I mean? Like, there's the people who I think are most likely to move up the grid are VK, uh, Eilosh, or uh, Malukas. Yeah, throw Lungard into the mix if he continues to be an absolute mm. insane, but I, I think it would take a lot to get him out. Like, on like, Same with Arlo, could you see, really. see Pagano just getting into, like, into Andretti? I don't know, it just... Maybe. It just doesn't... It's not, it's not very exciting, is it? I could think of so many other things I'd rather see. I'd rather watch my eyes bleed. Please, Zach Brown, make eyelash to McLaren happen. I will... Uh, I would I would love that, but it's... I would gasm just, everywhere. <laughs> honestly, I would be happy if... I like went to McLaren. Robert Schwarzman got the Hunkers car. Um, don't think that would be an interesting move. Um, Bin Grosjean off. Bring over what? I'd I'd like to see what maybe Latifi could do in one of the back marker cars to sort of redeem himself a little bit. Because there's a driver in there. Doesn't, he, think doesn't he seem like he would go down the endurance route or Formula E? Yeah, he he probably would, but I just I just sort of throwing up names that I can think of off the top of my head. Or if this Ricardo thing doesn't work out, <laughs> we we both said he would be perfect for. This. I still I still think he would be, be perfect. perfect for it. They would love him, and he would love it. He would be in his element there, but it's not going to happen. I hope it does, but yeah, like I know. I, I I hope it does as well, but mm. I I want to see a Formula One driver go to Indy. Yeah, that's towards the end of their career. Thirty plus is like, sort of come to end of it. A better driver, so like Ericsson was not a stellar in F one, and, and Grosjean to end wasn't either. I'd love to see a like a like Ricardo would be by far the best F one product recently to go over to Indy. Like Eric, like Ericsson and I, Grosjean, like it's like we've seen how well they've I th- done. I think Perez would smash it, absolutely smash it, especially on the street courses. Hmm. If you go down stroll, you didn't, you didn't get my you didn't get my reference. No, I, I didn't. I heard King yeah. of the King King of the Street. Right. <laughs> no? hey. Yeah, stroll actually would probably be decent. To be fair, just make sure nobody else is around him. <laughs> oh dear! And indeed, I don't. Imagine sure. imagine stroll on a fucking oval. Jesus Christ! Fuck me, no, no. <laughs> Retract that statement. Stroll is not going to IndyCar. <laughs> Go to Formula E. You'll be safer there. You'll be safer there. Well, I don't know. Wouldn't that be hilarious? I guess it's the, it's the same as Dan Tickton being in Formula E. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a bit out of place, isn't it? But I, look, I still want to see Tickton get a shot at a better team. I think he would be great in that. I'd put him with Dennis, man. That'd be, that'd be a fun lineup. Fiery. Oh, it'd, it'd be fiery as hell. The, the team radio would be hilarious. It'd be great. Because Dennis effing blinds it like mad. <laughs> Yeah, I think they'd hate each other, but I think it'd be hilarious. I, th- I believe they're also both good enough for it. Yeah. We'll it'd see. be a, a love-hate relationship. They'd pull up, put up with each other, but hate each other on track. Yeah, which would be fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, um, should we preview the Hungarian Grand Prix very quickly? Indeed. Uh, part of a double-header, so back-to-back then with Spa to end the... Can I, uh, mm, can I preface this... Um, the qualifying format for the first time is the hard, medium, soft. 
Oh, that's right. It's the sp- it's yes. the flipping. Uh, what's the name of this? It's the it's the test thing. I don't know what's fucking called. Oh, there's it's a meant new- to happen in Emila, but yeah, yes. they're using this for, for this and Monza. There's a there's a name for this that I care not to remember, but Charlie's piss poor tire construction qualifying format is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. So look forward to that shit. But the thing I'm actually looking forward to is where everyone where the land lies in for second quickest car. We've reached a point now where I think depending where we go, we could see a different kind of a driver fighting for the last podium spot or two if Perez doesn't show up. Or if something happens for Stappen. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. give, the, give the science treatment. So Who? <laughs> there you go, thank you. Um so the um so I think Aston will be strong here. We'll see them. You would think so. They need to be strong. They need, anyway. yes. I think so. If they're not strong here, that is going to be a concern. That's a big rip. Like you're that talking, big, big rip. you're talking. They could lose out to Ferrari possibly if they going forward. If they aren't strong here, it's because I think the next few races are going to be difficult for them in yeah. Spa and Mons in particular. So I think the flyways will suit them nicely. I think the likes of Singapore oh, yeah, and Japan. Japan. Mm. Kota to an extent, yeah. I'm low-key so excited for that race. I love love that track. Drivers love that track too. It's going to be fun. But this is Athens' best chance for a little bit to get back to where... Well, a little bit. I mean, it was only Canada when they were second again. But it's a big race for them because I think it's... I think we'll see them at... Not their... I don't know if I want to say their best, but at their better... And where that compares now to where the competitors are after upgrades. Yeah, definitely. So big weekend for them. Ferrari, I think, should also fare quite well here. To to be honest, you can throw Mercedes into that mix as well. I I think all three of them should be better around here than what they were at Silverstone. Now, I will say with Mercedes, I don't think this track will suit them as much as it will the others or suit them as better as they should have been in or as they were in Austria and Silverstone. They are saying their front wing should work better at this venue than Silverstone. So we'll see what that brings about. But I will put Mercedes at the bottom of that Aston, sorry, Alonso yeah. slash Ferrari kind of group for for this for this track. Yeah. Based on what we know so far about the characters of those cars. Again, we're going to find out lots about all these cars at this kind of track with low to mid speed. And obviously, the 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 one I'm looking forward to seeing the most, seeing what where the land actually lies, and not like the other F1 teams are looking. Like this is a big weekend for everyone looking in this regard. It's to where McLaren are. Yeah, there, there was a lot of things I saw on Twitter where people were a bit suspicious as how how they managed to make such a gain in such a short amount of time, considering where they were. Least of all Mercedes <laughs> and James Allison. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. There were not. There were some not very pleased people among up and down the paddock. Let's say that. Um, but they, this is their final stage of their upgrade plan for the for the well for this. Far. They are saying that their more upgrades could be coming in the future. They're not done with these upgrades. It's the last of this group. This 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 basically B spec. They sped out three years, but Andrea Stella has said that upgrades. I think will continue to come. Oh, he was of the opinion that where's the money coming from? Mm, well, if the, he was of the opinion that I, the the reason this stands out to me because it reminded me of the two thousand eight BMW situation. He was of the opinion that if you've got the car, you should continue to develop into it. Yeah, which is what BMW should have done in two thousand eight, but they did not, and that worked out very well for them. 
So yeah. I don't know when those upgrades will come. And like you said, like it's funny, like it's uh, to be fair, we felt the same about Mercedes last year, didn't we? Like we regard this kind of thing. Um, I will find out, I guess, when the cost cap stuff comes out in the flyaways when, for last year. Yeah, we will. We so will. it'll be interesting to see when, from that point of view. But yeah, so McLaren, big weekend for them. I, here, I, here's the thing. Here's where I see things lying for them. I think this may not suit them, but as long as they're within, tu- even if even if they are the fifth or sixth fastest car, if they're within touching distance, if they're on the back, if Norris is on the back, say of a, a Mercedes or an Aston or I don't know what the Alpine situation is or a Ferrari, let's say, then I think that could be a successful weekend for them, even if the, they're not the even if they're like the fifth or sixth fastest car, if they're within that yep. range, that's okay because this is not going to be one of their best tracks. Yep, I agree. This is an extreme for them, like, like a Monaco, like a, you know, like, like it's this is on the bottom end of where their car performs well. So if they're within touching distance, a few seconds off, that's that's okay. I think there's enough just because they've gone from second quickest to sixth quickest in one weekend. It it's it's all it's all it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. So I'm but I'm excited to see where they lie. I really am. It'll set up a lot of nice things for um, it's a bit of a fascinating scrap for those places, isn't it? For the the last part of the season, Mm. it's gonna be a lot of fun. What else are you, or is there anything particular you're looking forward to with this race weekend? See how how Alpine cock it up. Mm. (laughs) I will say for them, they have a significant upgrade coming for Spa, a floor, a new floor for Spa is what they're saying, which they say. Some of their other new prices they've brought will work better when that is introduced. Yeah. But uh, you're right. I look for how they messed it up because this was a famous example last year of how they really messed, like, screwed things up, didn't they? Yeah, they really They did. followed Ferrari on strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, no, 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 they're not their best of ideas. I will say that. No. Uh, which was pretty obvious at the time, wasn't it? Like we were both said last year, like it was pretty obvious the hard was a awfully disgusting tire. But uh, they went on anyways, and that worked out very well for them. Hmm. They do they 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 say they have an upgrade for Hungary, but Ottmar Safar says it's nothing big. Yeah, but he says okay. in conjunction with the Spa one, it should go well. Okay. So I, I look, it'd be nice for them to be in the mix with the with McLaren and see if that's any way shape competitive to Ferrari or Mercedes or Aston. It'd be nice. I don't ex- hmm. I expect it of McLaren, not here, but just in general. I don't expect it of Alpine. It would be nice, but we'll see. Yeah. What else looking forward to with this one? Uh, how shit Alfa Romeo are going to be this week? <laughs> because honestly. They might as well not bother turning up half the time. The I know. They're going. It's like I said yeah, last week, just... they're the most irrelevant team at the moment and they have been for the last yeah. like two years. I'm so backwards, it's so weird. Uh, you comment from Bottas as well recently saying that uh, like, the price should focus on their 24 car soon because this one hasn't gone as they expected. Really? It makes them say sh- that? Shocking, right? Doesn't it just seem they're just like, it's just treading water until the more Audi stuff comes in, isn't it? Basically. That's just make ourselves look like we're doing something but actually we're doing more stuff behind the scene there's a there's a i think there's a sensible bet that they could be the like 
in the mix with Haas and like out and but like behind maybe behind Haas and maybe behind Alpha Tari too. Mm. Like they could be the slowest car on the grid. Yay. Which would be fun. <laughs> so I do think now the Ricardo in the mix, I do think there's a case to be made that Alpha Tari have got the best lineup out of those three teams. Out of Alpha yeah. Tari, Alpha Romeo and Haas. Yeah, definitely. So we'll just see where the car lies and if it's able to elev- if the driver talent is able to elevate them above uh, the other cars if, if there's a gap if the, if the performance is too big. Mm. So we'll see. But obviously the Aftari situation obviously one is, is going to be one of the more interesting things to look at. Like how Ricardo gets on this first week back. I guess he, we sh- we shouldn't have expectations too high. Like it's going to be his first race in that car. So I don't, I wouldn't be screaming out flop or washed if this weekend doesn't go to plan. No, that's not a fair expectation. Regardless, like I took how many, like I took Alonso a few races up to speed with in the Alpine after being a year out. No, obviously, or two years out. No, obviously, Ricardo wasn't two years out, but it's quite. I would say it's quite alien machinery compared to the Red Bull he's been driving, both in sim and on track. Hmm. So, uh, but I'm excited. Like I just think, like I'm, there's an, there's enough going on on this grid to be excited about. It's just not for first place. Yeah, unfortunately. So, but like, I still like I still think F one to the, it's like it's we're in a we're in a weird spot where it looks worse than it actually is. When you actually look at the fine details, there's a lot to be excited by. Like you've got that fascinating four team, maybe even five team scrap for second for like the second quickest car. You've got great inter team stuff like Russell versus Hamilton is always fun. The Clark and Sainz have been a bit close this year, I guess. Alonso being in the mix. Norris, Piastri kind of showed himself to the world in Silverstone. You've got Albon doing stuff in the Williams. I mean, I don't think to expect anything this weekend from Williams. No, uh, nothing. The Alpines can be in the mix at times. Like, there's a lot. Like, you've got this Avatari thing going on at the back, towards the back of the grid now. There's enough. Go- there's enough going on to be excited by. It's just, it just, it looks worse than it is. I think. I think everyone's in a good spot. Hmm. It's just. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see if like, obviously we'll see how much for Sam wins by this week and if Perez can get himself back going in I think he's got this track may suit him better maybe than some of the other ones he's gone well here in the past yes so I I, I always say this every week I back him to find some form again I think he'll be back on the podium this week I mm. I'm going to be bold and say he'll make it out of Q1 and he'll make wow. it to Q3 Jeez. Bold. <laughs> very, very bold. So, I'm also backing Stroll to get knocked out in Q2 again, by the way. <laughs> Q2? Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll be generous, you know. I'll be generous. Is there anything else on this grid, uh, team-wise or anything else, that you're looking forward to or have an eye on? I think we've covered it all, to be fair. The McLaren Vector... Man- hmm. Go on. I was going to say, the McLaren Vector is an interesting one. Where Aston are... And the Ricardo. The McLaren, the McLaren and Ricardo are the key ones. Yeah, basically. Mm. What were you going to say on Verstappen? I was just going to say it's relevant. Mm. Win number seven is coming. So. Yeah, seven the rows coming up here in a sec. We yeah. What's what's the record? Is it thirteen? No, sorry, in a nine. row. Is it nine in the row? Yeah, I want to say it's nine. But... It's Vettel and was it Mansell or is it Schumacher? I don't know. I don't know. I want to say Schumacher. It would make sense. I'll double check this because I know I feel, I feel like a 
Because the Verstappen's obviously coming up close here. Uh, most F1 wins in a row. This is awkward to type. Is it, wait, is this it? Okay, sorry. Okay, so nine is the record by Verstappen. It is Vettel alone. Uh, obviously, it's basically, it was Vettel from the entirety from the summer break onwards in 2013. Yeah. Three drivers have... Uh, three drivers have seven in a row. Can you name them? Fangio? Not Fangio, but someone from oh. that era. Got no clue then. Uh, Hawthorne? I don't know. Not Hawthorne. Uh, think of a... This name became a car brand in the 2000s. Quite a good one, too. Some very fun cars. My became a car brand? Mm. What? My favorite, one of my favorite cars of all time is called the A10. Famous for the its eight? the A10, yellow and black. Um, um, I don't know. A very famous car in Top Gear. No, go Italian no driver. Yeah, he doesn't help. Okay, Escari. Uh, okay, yeah, I did not know that was a car manufacturer. Well, he made a, uh, his name was on a car. I don't know if a manufacturer might be a bit harsh, but maybe a bit much. Uh, so Sky's being one. Two others. One should be obvious. Schumacher. Schumacher's one. Now, this one, this one I think, cheats. And Sky has the same situation, because it's done across two seasons. Okay. Lewis. Not Hamilton. Rosberg. Rosberg, 15-16. Last four races. Yeah, I, know, I knew Rosberg had done six. Yeah. Last three races of uh, 2015... And the last, which is obviously all after Hamilton won the title, and the first four of 2016. Yeah. Uh, Schumacher also has another one of six. Okay. Uh, so there is that. So Verstappen would then move up into tied for second with seven. No one has eight. How many does Lewis Hamilton have? What's the highest thing Hamilton has? Oh. Hamilton's done five. Okay. He's done five twice. Which seems mad to me that he hasn't done that more. Mm. Uh, Not very good, so. <laughs> uh, could you guess the years off the top of your head? 2020. 2020, yep. Yeah. So uh, it was from the Eiffel Grand Prix to Bahrain. 2017. Not 17. 18. Earlier than that. Think, okay. think dominant Mercedes. 15 not 15 uh, 14 though 2014 he won 5 in a row from Italy to USA yeah I, I was thinking him post when Ferrari dropped off after after Germany mm. in 2017 I was like surely he won definitely won 4 in a row then mm -hmm. definitely uh, Alonso has a streak of 4 talking from current ones Hamilton has quite a few 4s yeah, that's which a which doesn't surprise. Yeah, there's a few fours for Senna, another one for Schumacher. Jack Brabham's got four, Clark has four. Uh, so uh, obviously JB's got four as well from 2009. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there you go. That's uh, there's some some winning some winning uh, winning streaks, so to speak. So yeah, surprising Hamilton hasn't done more than five, but uh, yeah, there you go. Right, mm. anything else to add, or should we predict a race? result of sorts predictions okay now how deep do you want to go into this <laughs> second and seventh okay 
Okay. Because there's no point predicting anybody else to win because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, second. You go first. Second, I'm going to go... Ooh, Alonso. Mm-hmm. I like Charles. this. It's tough, isn't it? It's really tough. I'm literally just saying names are random at this point. Lonzo, Charles, Lewis, Perez, George, Carlos, Lando. Okay. I'll back the Alonso P2. I'll go Perez P3. Chai Leclerc fourth. Hamilton fifth. Sainz sixth. Uh, I'll say Russell seventh. I'm not ready to put McLaren on this level at this track, certainly. Yeah, I just put them in there just to say he finishes in front of Stroll and Alpine. That was literally. Oh, yeah. I I think I have Piastri to to finish. Lando and Piastri and Sainz and Russell to finish ahead of Stroll. Maybe stroke us there, McLaren. Maybe if if that. To be fair, if that car is second quickest, that Aston is second quickest, then Stroll should finish somewhere mm. in the top eight. Should. Yeah. But I guess that should is a big thing. A couple of things in the standings. Uh, so Russell's one point behind Sainz. Mm-hmm. Leclerc is nine points behind that. Norris can overtake Stroll this weekend. He's two points behind. Embarrassing. So, yeah, which is which is horrifically embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, it's gonna be fun. I think Alonso will go a hundred points clear of Stroll this weekend. He needs to outscore Stroll by seven points to do it. Hmm. So I think right. that if Alonso's on the podium, that will happen. If he finishes fourth, that will happen. Heck, yeah. if, if, if Alonso's finishing fifth, I don't see Stroll in the top ten. No. <laughs> so, I think that'll happen. All right. Uh, and let's make a prediction for Ricardo. What we say in this first race? 20th. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I will say he'll finish a solid P15. I don't know where Sonoda will be, but I'll say P15. <laughs> Ricardo takes out Sonoda. Lawson's in for uh, for Belgium. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think that is. Unless you have any other thoughts of any sort. No, the fact we've managed to squeeze this out to nearly two hours um, on an off race weekend is bizarre. But no. uh, to be fair, I think I think we end up doing it because it's an off race off race week. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I don't hate it. <laughs> I never do. My stomach hates it because I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, this is why you bring snacks, man, for the for the journey. I've got snacks more mid podcast. No, people don't need to hear me eating. Uh, anyway, hunger aside, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I've been Graham. I've been hungry, McGee. Mm, solid. Ah, puns. I like it. Well done. And uh, we shall see you. Uh, we shall see you next week. <laughs>